Welcome. Thank you for joining us for this episode from Avondale Baptist Church. We are so happy to be sharing the Word of God with you and hope that this message is a blessing to you. And now, here's Brother Richard. He has risen. And what's sad is that the pain... (laughs) The things that he went through on the cross for us to have life, life abundantly. There's some of us here today that's not experiencing that life. That breaks my heart. Because God has so much for every single one of us. What he's endured on the cross and what he went through in the resurrection, it's for us, people. It's for us. And there's a lot of us here that are missing out on God. So many of us is not experiencing the life that he intended us to have. And I understand, church, life can be hard. Sin is terrible. Sin is what keeps us separated from God. And I'm telling you right now, whatever it is that you are struggling with, make today be the day that no more, that the enemy has no more, does not, he does not have a stronghold against you. And start living the life that God wants you to have. Men, We have to step up. We have to step up. There's ladies and mothers that are playing both roles. Men, there's we have we have to be spiritual fathers. We have to step up with the kids in the community. We have to step up as church uh, leaders. We have to step up. Because what he has done on the cross and what the resurrection means, it's. There's a lot of us that are missing out. And I do not want for any of you, even me included, to miss out the life that God really has for us. He is so amazing and so loving that what he endured on the cross is just... Something that we'll never probably experience. That kind of torture. I think of Becky's grandma on her dad's side. She was, she had a disease of like her bones were just so brittle. And I remember when she was, when we would visit her at home and she was laying in bed and she was just so much in pain that when she coughed, her ribs would break. And I remember we were just sitting there and she's just saying, like, the pain that I'm going through it still doesn't add up. It doesn't equal. It doesn't, it's nowhere near with the pain that Christ endured for me. And that is so true. And I do not want us to be living a life where we think <laughs> that this is all I have. This is all that life has to offer. No, that's from the light of the pit of hell. God wants you to experience life. To the abundance. 
What does that look like? It doesn't mean that everything's going to be rainbows and unicorns. We're going to go through some trials. We're going to go through some, some battles. We're going to go through some heartaches. We're going to be going through some pain and some suffering. And that's what this whole series has been about, was about having the full armor of God because it's a war out there. It's a battle and there's an enemy out there that wants to take our kids, wants to take our spouses, wants to break up the church, break up the homes. And we have to be suited up for war. We have to be suited up. And I just think it's great that we're going to be talking about the sword of the spirit. You know, we talked about the belt of truth. We have to begin with the truth, right? Jesus is the truth, and the truth is what? It will set you free. And I told you that if the truth sets you free, what's the opposite of that? If a lie will keep you in bondage. And you got to know the truth so you can begin to break those chains that the enemy has against you. And we talked about how the belt puts everything in place. It keeps the breastplate of righteousness together that we are made right right standing with God because of what Christ has done and that we because of that we want to do what is right the shoes of peace when you begin the finding truth and you realize what he's done on the cross you can have peace that surpasses all understanding no matter what you're going through Right. Like we just can't imagine going through some hard things and 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 still have joy. Because that's exactly what Christ talks about when he wants to give us that life. That gives us a peace that surpasses all understanding. And we talked about the the shield of faith. That we have to be careful because the enemy is is constantly shooting those arrows after at you constantly and we got to be protected and then it comes to the sword and oh i love the sword ephesians 6 is what we're going to be in on this resurrection sunday and i know some of you may be thinking this is not a your regular resurrection sunday sermon well it's because of the resurrection that we can have the sword. You understand? We fight for battle. We have the truth. Ephesians 6. <clears throat> Go ahead and turn there, Stephen. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Paul says this, finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Okay, remember, it's not our might. It's whose power? It's his power. It's Jesus's power. That same power that rose Christ from the dead is the same power that is in us. Just a side note. Amen. Yes. And it's okay, church, when you get excited, it's okay to say amen. It's okay to clap your hands. It's okay to be excited, okay? Because we get excited for 
a lot less things. We get excited for basketball games and football games, and we get excited that there's nobody in the gas line pumping gas or in the express line. Or We get excited for those things, but, man, it's time to get excited for our living, risen Lord. Amen. Yes. Father God, we just thank you and love you, Father, for who you are, what you have done, and what you are going to do. Father God, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would just keep us away from any distractions. Right now, as we speak, there's people here that are being distracted, and I pray for their minds and their hearts, Father God, that you, that you would speak to them in a mighty, mighty way. Father God, I pray that this will be life-changing in their lives, that they would see that generational curses can be broken this morning people can be healed this morning people can be restored this morning in jesus name we pray amen he said paul says put on the whole armor of god that you may be able to stand against the the wiles of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places so the battle is not between flesh and blood right church it's a spiritual warfare and how do we fight a spiritual battle we fight it with spiritual things And this is what Paul says in verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil days. Not if you or it's when it's going to happen. And having done all you stand. Paul doesn't say that we should run away. Paul is saying that we need to stand, stand Firm against the schemes of the enemy. And he says again, stand, therefore, because you're going to be suited up. That's why you can stand. Having girded your waist with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And he says, above all, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of the salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What is the sword of the Spirit? The Word of God. It's the Word of God. Praying always. With all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. For which I am ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I love that part, and I can't wait to get to that part. There's so much. But let's stick with the sword. Brother Greg had a sword at the house, and I was like, man, that's a nice sword. I really would like to, to use that. And he says, oh, no problem, Pastor. And uh, it's, a, it's a marine sword, I believe. 
United States Marines, really nice. And, and it's just something about men with, with, with weapons, with sword, right? Is that what Tim, the two men tailor, right? It's just something like you, you have a sword in your hand, man, you're ready to fight. You're ready to play ninja. Like that's what I used to do when I was little, have these plastic swords and were actually just sticks. And, and because my mom would never buy me plastic swords, right, mom? But so I had to go get some sticks and you just pretend that you're just fighting. And you're just doing, trying to do flips and you want to stab and cut and chop and, and everything like that. The sword, it's for close battle, Right? It's for hand-to-hand combat, to get up in your enemy's face, to protect, right? It's, it's an offensive weapon, not a defense. Offense, you're here because you've got the sword because somebody's attacking you and you're fixing to attack whoever that is. You're ready. But this is what we think of when we hear the word sword. But it was actually what Paul was talking about is more like a dagger, 18 inches long. Short, very pointy, and very sharp on both sides. You have to get into real close contact. And we are in a battle. And what Paul was saying is that when the enemy attacks, because he's going to attack, You have to fight. There's no and if or buts about it. You have to fight, people. No matter how tired you are or or how wore out you are, there might be points in your lives where you just want to give up. We cannot give up. We cannot. The sword is that weapon of choice. That's available for us believers. Because remember, Paul is talking to believers. And he says that this is available to you. The sword is proved to be deadly at close range. It could cut. It could stab. Go into the smallest seams of the of the armor of the the Roman Empire. Their armor, it could get them underneath the the armpit or in just those weak areas. It is for battle. It's for winning battles. But Paul says that we have to take up. We have to take up the shield and take up the sword. What is the sword of the spirit? It's God's word. And this is what we want to focus on is on God's word. This book that has 66 books in it. He's saying that it's God's word that it's it's our sword. And my intentions this morning is to teach you, to, to, uh, to just let you realize how we need to use this. Because I'm learning through my journey. <laughs> We're using this sword all wrong. 
we're using this sword all wrong. If we, it's like we have the sword, but I may be coming in a fight like this. How silly would that be, right? Like this, this doesn't do it. I'm going to cut my fingers. And those of you that you're probably worried, I know my wife is really worried. Like, Richard, please be careful how you're grabbing that. And ah! I'm just playing. It's not sharp. It's not sharp at all. <laughs> or some of us just leave our sword at home and we think this is good enough. We just want to hit somebody, pound them, you know. And Paul's not saying that. He's, he, he wants us to know how we need to use the sword. See, I've told you at the very beginning of this series is that when we receive Christ, we are a new creation. Right? We are a new creation in Christ. Spiritually speaking, we are new. But we have the same body. And we still have our soul. And I told you before that our soul is like our personality, our emotions, our characteristics. It's what kind of defines us, so to speak, you know. Uh, the laughing. Richard that, is that crazy, funny guy, you know, that's always laughing, you know. And our spirit, our spirit has changed. But our soul is still fighting, right? Our, our flesh is still fighting. And so it's the responsibility of the spirit to transform the soul so that the soul can transform the body. You understand? You're getting this. So it has to begin with the Spirit. If you received Christ and you received Him as your Lord and Savior, you are a new creation. All right? You are a new creation. Well, there's also kind of three things about God's Word. See, I could own a, ba- a Bible factory and produce Bibles all day long, but that doesn't mean that I have the sword. That doesn't mean that I have the sword just because I own a Bible factory. So this is just God's word. This is just a book. It's a very important book. But so many times we lay this book in our car because we think that this book will keep my car holy or... We keep it in our, in our bedroom or in our house and we just leave it there because we think that there's some kind of supernatural thing on this book that because if I have it laid here, everything's taken care of. No, it's not like that. It's a book. But inside this book is a message. And it's a message of what you're hearing this morning. It's a message. So we're hearing his word. We have the book. Now we're hearing his word. We are hearing the message, but it doesn't stop there. That's not, just because we hear the message doesn't mean that we still are ready for battle. And that's where a lot of Christians fail. Oh, I go to church Sunday morning. I heard a powerful message. I'm done. I'm ready. No. You're walking out of there still with no kind of armor. It's not like that. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. See, we think that we get fed. We think that because we come for one hour in the morning to be fed, that we're good the rest of the week. And I've told the church this before. If we just ate one meal a week, man, it's not healthy for us. 
spiritually, mentally, or physically, it's not healthy for us to eat one meal. How much more important it is for us to be spiritually healthy, to be in his word, to dive in and hear his messages. And then the second thing, or the third thing, is the spoken word. And this is what Paul is talking about. When we're ready for battle, we have to be ready for the spoken word of Christ to come out. See, there's power when we speak. There's power. God spoke light into existence, and there's light. There's power. There is power, and we see in Matthew Satan tempts Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. I don't think I have it up there, but you could turn to your Bibles or your phones. And Satan tempts Jesus. And, and if we're going to learn, then we need to learn by Jesus, right? We need to learn from Jesus. How did he handle things? Because, again, that is the sword. We have to know what the, what the word says, and we have to understand the message, and we have to speak it. And we see this. Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus is tempted by Satan. Oh, amen. There you go. Then Jesus was led up, was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by God. He was led up. He was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. I don't know what translation you're using there, but it's okay. And when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights afterwards, he was hungry. Oh, you ever been hungry? Ooh, like I said, if you only eat one meal a day or one meal a week, you'll be hungry. He says, now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, who answered? Jesus answered. And he said, what does he say? He says, it is written. It is written. That is God's word coming to life. He is speaking. And he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's coming from Deuteronomy. Jesus. Jesus went to the word. Jesus went to the word. Let me say that again. Jesus went to the word. If Jesus went to the word, how much more important is it for us to go to the word? Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. This is the enemy talking. For it is written that he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their heart, in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your feet against a stone. So we see the enemy coming back. He says, oh, you're going to come after me with the word? Oh, well, I'm going to tell you the word. 
And this is what the devil says. He says, it is written. And we're going to see Jesus says to him, it is written again. It is written again that you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Mm. That sure does sound good, right? Especially to these young adults. They just want the world. They just want to make sure they have millions and millions of dollars in their bank account. And they want to be famous and just start living life like the way the world wants. And this is what the enemy is tempting uh, Jesus with. He's like, oh, you can have all this. And then he says, Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. And what does he say again for the third time? It is written. It is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall serve. Then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and ministered to him. I'm telling you right now, church, that there's a lot of us here that angels are just so much ready to come in and to minister to you. But they just can't because we keep listening to the devil. We keep listening to the enemy. And why do we keep listening to the enemy? Because we do not know the sword. We do not know God's word. We know the book and we hear the message, but we don't know how to speak it to existence. And God wants us to speak just as Jesus spoke. He overcame. He conquered those temptations. He overcame. He conquered those temptations. I could tell you right now, church, that we can do the same. We can do the same. We have to see. We have to know God's word. It's a very powerful weapon, but we have to know it. See, God intends that each and every word individually be used as our offensive weapon against the enemy's attack. Every single word. And I'm going to be honest with you. I wish I could sit here and say that every problem that I deal with, everything that I go through, I go straight to the word. I don't. Sometimes I go to my wife, which she's pretty wise. Sometimes I, amen. Sometimes I go to a friend. Sometimes I seek help from other things. And if I'm not careful, I'll start seeking help from worldly things. But in honesty, you, I, us, we have to begin here. What does God say on the matter? What does God, how does God handle this? How did Jesus handle this particular situation? And when we start doing that, we're sharpening. We are sharpening that sword for battle. 
We're sharpening it through meditations. We're sharpening it through coming to church. We're, cu- we're sharpening through, through reading, through scriptures. We're, we're sharpening through devotions. We're, we're sharpening it through worship. Ready for battle. Hebrews 4.12. I got that up there, Stephen, if you want to put that up there. Hebrews 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is alive and active. For the word of God is alive and active, and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. Dividing soul and spirit. And spirit. You remember what I talked about earlier? Soul and the spirit. The spirit is what changes our soul. And our soul is what changes our body to do the right thing. To physically do the right thing. And the writer of Hebrews is saying that the word of God is alive. And it is active. And it is sharper than any double-edged sword. That it will penetrate even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart oh that knife that sword i remember i have a friend that used to come to church here and 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 we would hear some preaching or whatever and he's like oh that cuts oh that cuts oh that cut me hard that cut me deep This is what he's talking about, because when we hear the word, when we hear the message and it's penetrating our soul, it's penetrating our hearts. Why? Because it's working, because our spirit needs to change our soul. Our spirit needs to change our soul, and it's the word of God who makes that division. The spirit who furnishes the sword. It's inspired the writers of God's word. See, our sword is is sharp, sharper than a double edge, and it cuts both ways. It cuts, striking some to conviction, some to conversion. The sword penetrates so that nothing in us remains hidden or uncovered. There is no place too deep for God's word to reach. And I want you to understand that. His word is a sword. You ever feel like when you hear a sermon or, or you hear a, a song and, and you're just like, oh, yeah, that got me. I need, to, I need to work on that. Yeah, I struggle with that. That is God's sword, his word. The word of God in the hand of the spirit, it wounds us. And it makes the heart of man to bleed. See, when we have things that we're dealing with in our lives, We have to check the heart. We have to check the heart. It may make us angry at times. It may step on our toes. Maybe it'll make us so angry that we don't want to go back to church. 
It may make us so angry that we don't want to open his word anymore. It makes us so angry that we just want to do away with church altogether. How would you respond when God's word is speaking to you? You will have a chance this morning to just give it to God. Don't allow this, this message, don't allow it to just penetrate your heart so you can leave here angry. I want it to penetrate your heart so you can leave here knowing that you're loved, that Christ loves you, each and every one of us. See, God's word cuts us and it convicts us individually. It's a personal thing because God wants to be personal in your life. Jesus wants a personal relationship with you. God wants a personal relationship with you individually. When we allow his truth to penetrate deep into our hearts and deep into our souls, God cuts out of us anything that hinders our relationship with him. (laughs) You get that? God cuts out anything that should not be in us that hinders our relationship with him. He does the work. All we have to do is just what? Trust and obey and allow him. His word gives us life. His word gives us life and it gives us a reason to live. It gives us a reason to live. Are we living for Christ? Are we living for Christ on this Resurrection Sunday? That is my question to you. We're going to have a time of reflection. And I want you to just be reflected. uh, Reflect on what and how your relationship is with Christ this morning. We're fixing to take communion But before we take communion, we're going to have a special guest sing a special song. And as they make their way up here and get ready, the song that I really want you to listen to. See, Christ tells us to come to the table and to break bread and take communion because he wants us to do this for what? In remembrance of of him, of what he has done. And this is what this song is about. And so during this song, I want you to reflect and just be reminded of what Christ has done in your life. And are you, is your relationship with him, does it reflect on God's word? Does it see, does it bear good fruit? And after this special, we're going to take communion together. Thank you, Father God, for this wonderful message. We pray that it has been a comfort and a blessing to our listeners. Thank you for taking the time to join us here at Avondale Baptist Church. Until we see you again, always remember, Jesus loves you.